tell you about our, our uh, speaker, uh, Lloyd Harris. Um, Larry handed me this piece of paper to read, but I asked Lloyd, I says, how would you like me to introduce you? He, just, he said, uh, just tell him I'm here to preach and to give congregation the opportunity to see if he should continue on his quest uh, in a profession of preaching. I think he pretty much answered that question this morning for those of you who are here. Uh, for those of you who weren't here, uh, Lloyd Harris was born in uh, Spring Hill, Louisiana. He's married to his wife, Ora, for 54 years. They have three children, eight grandchildren, and four great-grandchildren. He's been preaching for 64 years, and he started preaching at the ripe old age of 10. Uh, he also serves as an elder at Galmont. Uh, uh, he's preached in other churches in Nacogdoches, Texas, Greenville, Mississippi, Mount Pleasant, Texas, Moss Point, uh, Mississippi. Um, and this is a note uh, I guess from Larry. We've had uh, Brother Harris uh, for two previous gospel meetings, and it's a delight to have him and his wife, uh, Ora, with us again. He preaches the word. We hope you've uh, made plans to be at his services. He'll be here, uh, obviously, tonight and then Monday, Tuesday, and uh, Wednesday. And if you... Uh, uh, are so inclined, you're invited to bring uh, friends and neighbors with you. <clears throat> that being said, uh, before we get into our service, let's go to the Father in prayer. Father, we're appreciative of the opportunity to be here again tonight to worship you, to study you, to learn more about you, and to strengthen ourselves as brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you for the opportunity to hear once again from Brother Harris as he brings his years of knowledge and experience and learning and understanding of your word to our pulpit so that we can all learn from it and, and grow from it. Uh, Father, we pray that uh, you'll be with him as he delivers uh, his message tonight. We pray too, Father, that you'll be with each of us in this congregation. Help us to open our hearts and minds that all that is heard and all that is learned will be put to use in our lives, in our homes, and in our communities, that uh, we can all be better and stronger Christians in your service, and that we can help those outside these walls who are, are in need of our love and your love. Father, we pray that you be with us in, during this service. You watch over us, guide us, protect us, and forgive us all of our sins. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. First song this evening, number 60, Christ for the World We Sing. Christ for the world we sing. The world to Christ we bring With loving zeal The poor and them that mourn The faint and overborn Sin sick and sorrow worn Whom Christ doth heal Christ for the world we sing the world to Christ we bring with fervent prayer. The wayward and the lost by restless passion sauced, redeemed at countless cost from dark despair. Christ for the world we sing. The world to Christ we bring With one accord With us the work to share With us remain 
reproach to dare, with us the cross to bear, for Christ our Lord. Our invitation song this evening will be number 645, I Heard the Voice of Jesus Say. That will be our song of invitation after our lesson. This next song, as was mentioned this morning, will serve as our theme song for this week for the meeting. Jesus, let us come to know you. After this, Brother Harris will deliver our message this evening. Jesus, let us come to know you. Let us see you face to face. Touch us, hold us, use us, mold us. Only let us live in you. Jesus, draw us ever nearer. Hold us in your loving arms. Wrap us in your gentle presence. singing voice I would have carried that song another time around but I figured we might empty this and so I decided to thank the Lord for those who are here they don't let me touch this stuff at home I think I'm on I don't know there you go I think that's it Thank you for the privilege of speaking to you. I think that this gospel meeting thing is a very significant and important venue. I know people are saying gospel meetings have run their course. They're no good anymore. But if you go back over the years and see what has happened with the gospel of Christ, preached in an unadulterated form with people invited to hear for themselves, the pressure that they receive is the pressure of the power of the gospel. And as a result, so many, so many have turned to the Lord. And that still works today. Maybe because there are so many things happening that draw attentions in other places, the process may seem to be a lot slower. But we're not in charge of the speed of it, and we're not in charge of the outcome. We are in charge of providing the opportunity and providing the encouragement for it to happen. And I thank you for the opportunity to be a part of that encouragement. As you see from the flyer, uh, tonight's message deals with the person we're talking about and the message that we are proclaiming. The gospel is about Christ. That's what the scripture is constantly informing us of. And that's what we must never forget. 
The words of Paul to the church at Rome stamps this concept in an indelible ink when he tells them, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, unto the Jews first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, he goes on to talk about those who hold the truth in unrighteousness and the devastating consequences of having something and not holding on to it that is so precious. And what he shows us is that the ultimate outcome of that is a continued downsurging of their relationship with the Lord until finally they reach the point where they don't know him anymore. They have no more desire for him and that God gives them over to all kinds of things, even their faith is lost in the process. And then he says they, have, they deserve the outcome, which is death. There are only two real outcomes, life and death. Life on this side and life on the other side or death now and death for all eternity. John writes in the, in the book of Revelation to the church, even near the, at the end of the first century, you have records of things that were going on. And as he writes to them, he sees a picture of a judgment scene. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things that were written in the books according to their works. And whosoever was not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. John's writing was to encourage people to grab hold to that first life and that first death, the first death being this mortal death and our death from, to sin in Christ Jesus. But that last death is something we don't want. And the thing that stands between us and that last death is Jesus Christ himself and the gospel that proclaims him to the world. That's why I call this the gospel is about Christ. We are not proclaiming ourselves. We're not proclaiming our ideas. We don't have anything in our trick book. All we have is Christ and the gospel message that proclaims him to the world. He is what it's about and he is what makes the gospel the gospel. Without him, it would not be. And without it, we would not be his. Those two go together. In Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received and which you stand in, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast the word which I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all in importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, and he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time. On my first reading of that many years ago, the thing that I got was that Christ died, was buried, and rose again. 
But then as I read it over and over and began to mature a little bit more in the study of the word, why did Paul go to the trouble of talking about the people to whom he appeared after the resurrection? And I finally get it. To say that he died and rose again, and there is no evidence to substantiate it, is to leave people without hope that they can hold on to. And then to say it and to claim it and it not become a part of our faith is to know something that does us no good. So Paul identifies people that that world knew, that that world could trust, that they had seen the risen Lord, and that they were proclaiming not just the message he gave them in the teaching, not just the commission to go and preach, but they could now also proclaim the risen Lord, the Savior, is still alive. He is resurrected from the grave. Yes, they took him to the cross. Yes, they buried him. But on the third day, he rose again. And so Paul is declaring that he died, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day. And then he began to appear. When you say he appeared to Cephas, that doesn't give us much encouragement. And then he says he appeared to someone else. It doesn't give us much more encouragement. But then he said he appeared to over 500 brethren at one time. And that ought to give us a lot of encouragement. But that's just there. Now you follow the journey of the New Testament. From the Acts of the Apostles all the way through to Revelation. And you got a line of testimonies, all of them. In whatever they're teaching, they latch it on the shoulders of Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. And that truth is a truth that we can put our confidence in. When I'm teaching people, I'm conscious of what they need to know. I can tell them all of the unique things about the Bible that will excite their interest and never tell them what they really need to know. And they'll enjoy the study. They'll go back home, maybe even buy them a copy of whatever I've shown them. But they will not have been converted to follow Jesus Christ. What they need to know is who and what and why. And that was the message and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus gave the great commission in Mark's gospel chapter 16, he says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Reading that text. And now we have historical records of some of the journeys of many of the followers of the first century church. But you know, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The Lord must have known something that we would not have known had we not become a part of the body of Christ and heard that commission presented to us with the same urgency that he presented to the first believers in the first century. And that secret is, though he told them to preach the gospel to every creature, the message was intended that we too join in the journey of teaching that gospel to every creature. That is why I say that the gospel is about Christ. If it's just a dead letter, 
an interesting reading. It may have no power at all. But if it's a living Lord, if it's a Savior who is alive forevermore, if not only is he alive at the throne of the Father in heaven, but what if he is alive in me? What if he lives with me? What if he is able to help me on my journey? What if the message he gave resonates so deeply into my soul that it helps me to show someone why being a Christian is so vitally important? We're not selling religions. We're not selling ideas. We are proclaiming something that's already paid for. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only saving message in the world. And that is his uniqueness. It is about Christ. It is proclaimed for Christ to bring people to Christ that they might eventually be delivered by Christ himself to the Father at the end of time. I want Jesus to present me to the Father. A man once went into a far country, spent some time away from his family. Many years had passed. While he was away, he married a wife who had never met his family. And one day in that conversation, he says to her, I want to take you home to meet my family. She became somewhat apprehensive to meet the family. What if this and what if that? And it kind of put a little pressure in her thoughts. But she agreed to go. They made the journey. And as they got closer to home, she became more interested in what the meeting might be like. And finally, they arrived at home, got out of the car, went to the house, and his mom opened the door and invited him in. And as he came in, the bride comes in behind him. And his message to mom was, Mom, Dad, I want you to meet my wife. There was a moment of suspense. And then there was something amazing. The mom stepped forward with a smile of joy on her face in a tone of acceptance and appreciation. And she goes over to the wife and hugs her and says, Welcome home, my daughter. The wife's apprehensions began to dis dissipate. The father steps forward. After greeting the son, greets the bride, and says, welcome in the family. A family she had never known is a family that belongs to her also, for she is his bride. A place we have never known belongs to us. A hope we have never seen is ours, but it's a hope we can share to the whole world. There may be people who have never thought about being a Christian because they've never understood what being a Christian really means, what it really does. I cannot imagine having married my wife 54 years ago 
and never brought her to meet the rest of the family. I would love to have had her to meet my mom and my dad, but they were gone on with their reward when we even met. But I brought her to the place where I grew up. I showed her the things of my mother, my father. I have their pictures so that she can connect with them and I with hers. And even though she didn't get to meet them then, she meets them every time a family gathering takes place. She meets them. I want to meet the rest of my family. But only Jesus can present me to that family. Only he can say to the Father, Father, my bride, the church. And the Father would embrace the church as he embraces his son. The gospel is indeed about Christ. But the gospel is for us. It is to us. It is designed to bring us to a place that we have never been before. And so the commission to go into all the world ultimately becomes our commission to preach the gospel, to teach the word, to share somebody a message of truth. That journey was never more precious to me than when I began to look back over my family and began to realize the family members that had not heard the message of Jesus from me. One was my grandfather, my mother's father. At 85 years old, had never heard the gospel proclaimed and never heard me proclaim it. I came home from Texas, went to Louisiana and found my grandfather. He was living in a place where other men his age, 85 years in that range, were living together in that place. There was a lady looking after them. And I said, Grandfather, you have never heard me teach the gospel. I'm come to share it with you. May I do so. My grandfather came into the room and his friends followed him. And when they had seated themselves, I stood in the presence of them and preached the gospel that I had been preaching for years by then. And many had been baptized. But the person who was partially responsible for my being here had never heard it. And when I finished preaching, he walked forward and said, I want to be baptized. And his friends said, I want to be baptized. That night, I baptized my grandfather and three of his friends and gave them the hope that I had been living with. The guiding force of that moment was the person of Jesus Christ and the gospel that he had given us to teach. And the sadness of my heart was that I had known this gospel all these years 
and had never gone to him with it. I owed him a debt. But I've owed many a debt. And I've found many. And I've apologized for being so long getting to them. But the gospel still does what it does. It'll do it now. And it'll do it again and again. We are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. That is because the gospel is about Christ. Every response we have to the gospel connects with Christ. There is no gospel message without him. There's no gimmick we can come up with apart from Christ. There's no plan we can manipulate to convert people unless Jesus is the key and the gospel is the message. And when those two do not connect, men might feel good, they might get involved in things, but they really do not get saved without him. Not just the fact that he wants to save us, but one must know that it is Christ he is following. It is Christ he is believing. It is Christ he is obeying. And that it is Christ that will get him to the destiny that he seeks. We are saved in Christ. We wear the name of Christ. I don't get bothered about the Church of Christ. It doesn't bother me to say I'm a member of the Church of Christ. That's who saved me. That's whose message convicted me. That's whose hope brought me into the faith. That's like saying, I'm ashamed of my mother's name because other people don't like it. They ain't your mother. It's my mother. She brought me into this world. It's my Savior. He brought me into this world. It's the message that I obeyed. The gospel of Christ is about him. It's about bringing people in connection with him. It's about helping people to see that. It's about seeing it so deeply that no price is too high, no work is too hard to get the message of Christ into the hearts of men and women. We go to places, we see things, and we see packed buildings almost in every turn. All of the gimmicks that people get to get people. And I'm not upset with packed buildings. I wish every building where Christ is proclaimed would be packed. But not because of satisfying innuendos that don't do anything but touch the fancies of people and never touch the hearts. Christ didn't come to convict us apart from our heart. It's our heart that he's after. And that is where the conviction comes. So when I teach people now, I'm looking to touch their heart, but not with my spin on words, not with new definitions I can go to the dictionary and come up with that they might not have heard before. But I want to fascinate them with who the Savior really is, what he's really about, and what he really does for us. His name is the name we wear as Christians. And that's what Christian means, that we belong to him. 
We have become a part of him and his mission and his work. We don't get that name by picking a name. We get that name by obeying a plan and following a person and becoming his, his disciples and his followers. And so in Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, when Jesus was resurrected from the grave and the disciples had begun to lose hope, or lose hope already. That he was on headed down the road of Emmaus, and two disciples came along the same way, and, and they, he began to talk with them and asking about the things they were talking about, just to get a conversation going. And in the midst of the conversation, he began to open up to them their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And as they interacted with him, they began to see that this is not just somebody talking. This is somebody special. And at the end of that conversation, Jesus does something that triggers their mind and lets them know. We've been talking to the one we've been wanting to get to know. Because he tells them, break bread with me. And when he tells them that, it reminded them of what he had said to them. First, by the sea, and second, when the disciples were together, and those disciples ate with him, and he brings that concept back with them in order to institute the Lord's Supper and help them to see that our breaking of bread is about Christ. It is he that is being symbolized in the breaking of the bread. It is he that symbolized in the drinking of the fruit of the vine. It is he that is the object. What are you doing, Lord? I am connecting you with the one the gospel is about. And I'm keeping your mind and your heart focused on him. So every time you partake of it, you remember that it's not just a, a method we use or a ceremony we go through. It's a real remembrance of a truth we dare not forget. We dare not cast away. We dare not throw away. Jesus Christ is indeed the son of the living God. And all that we do in terms of salvation depends upon him and what his word has taught us. Remember when Thomas finally meets the Lord after the resurrection in the gospel of John chapter 20? First, the disciples met him, and he showed them himself. Thomas wasn't there, and he's saying, I won't believe it unless I see it. And then the next first day of the week, they come together again. And this time, Thomas is there, and Jesus goes directly to Thomas. And he shows Thomas evidence of his resurrection. He has him to... Look at his hands and feel them. And then to put the finger in the side where it had been pierced. And when Thomas saw the evidence, he cried out, my Lord and my God. And that was a moment for Thomas that you cannot imagine what it must have meant to him. But Jesus does something else with Thomas that says that this is not just for you. He says, because you have seen me, you have believed. 
but blessed are they that believe and have not seen. How will somebody believe that never saw? That is what the gospel is about. It's about presenting Christ that the world can hear him and see him, even though they never physically saw him and never touched him. They will have an experience that will be with them the rest of their lives. And I want to live the rest of my life in the presence of Jesus Christ, knowing that we are together. And I, every once in a while, I want to call him Brother Jesus. I mean, what do you mean, Brother Jesus? I mean that if we obey the Lord, we are his brothers. In fact, he is presented as our elder brother, our joint heir with the Father. He gives us an access to something that is eternal when we have surrendered to him. Heirs of God and John heirs with Christ. Paul snaps that into place when he writes to the church at Rome, the 8th chapter, and tells them, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And the Spirit bears with with the offspring that we are children, and of children and heirs, heirs of God, and John heirs with Christ. And if be so that we suffer together, we should also be glorified together. Jesus invites us to be with him, and he will be happy to present us to the Father at that wonderful day ahead. That's the message of the gospel that is about Christ. The church is the result of that. Response to the gospel, obedience to the gospel is a result of that. But getting baptized without knowing that truth has accomplished nothing. It is based upon that truth that Christ is the Son of God, that he is the Savior, that he is the, risen, the crucified, dead, and risen Savior of the world. To have the whole package of information is essential to having a proper attitude. And disposition about Christ. I can prove to any logical minded person that Christ only be at one church. I can do it theologically, exegetically, numerically. There are a number of ways I can show that in a, in a manner that cannot be overcome by debate. And after doing all of that, if that person doesn't know that this is about Christ, I have done nothing but wasted his time. I've done nothing but paid tic-tac-toe with information. But if I help people to understand that this is about Christ and you, about creating a relationship with Christ that will get you on the journey and bring you to a final destination where he can say, Father, my bride, the church. An interesting thing that Paul tells the church of Thessalonica in the fourth chapter of his first epistle when he tells them not to be discouraged as those who don't have any hope. But then he tells them something extremely encouraging. He tells them that when the Lord Jesus Christ appears, then he is going to catch us up together. He says the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we which are alive and remain should be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, 
and so shall we ever be with the Lord. He says he's coming back for us and he's going to take us with him. I don't have to go. The Lord is going to take me if I'm in his family, if I'm walking with him, if I've surrendered my life to him. Those Thessalonians in the midst of their struggles, and they were facing some great struggles, found confidence and encouragement and hope in Paul's words. The words that says, your consolation is coming. And the Lord himself is going to bring it. He's coming for you himself. He'll come get you. And he'll come take you. Brothers and sisters, the gospel is about him. It is for him. It draws people to him. And if we can just make a little bit of progress with anybody, we have done them the greatest service that we'll ever do. The thing that has surprised me in my years is what can happen when out of a genuine approach, a genuine message, the only motivation is to help people discover truth, believe it, and obey it. How many people have responded to the gospel? One such lady and her family had been associated with our family for years, but had not ever considered the church. And I was invited in for a meeting. And my sister had constant contact with this family. And she said, let's go visit, and took me different families to visit. Families that I'd never had a Bible study with. And we sat there and we discussed the scriptures and back and forth, questions were being asked and answers were being given. And finally, as the time was over, I invited them. I said, I, I'm late for the service. I'm headed to preach. Will you come to the meeting? I didn't get an answer of yes or nay. But just about the time I stepped into the pulpit, I looked back, and there were people that I had seen that day. I had invited to come. I had apologized for being so long talking to them. I had answered their questions, and I never tried to trick them on any occasion. And they came, and there were people on all sides of the building present as I proclaimed the gospel to them. What happened was that while I was preaching, they began to get up out of their seats and walk forward. And they came to the front where I was. Some of them had tears in their eyes. And they grabbed me around the neck while I was still trying to complete the sermon. And just almost held me back. One of those people was my own brother. And when I finally saw that what we needed to do next is give them a chance to complete what they have come to do. And I stepped away and the confessions were taken and those people were baptized that night. I never knew that they were ready 
because it had been so long since I talked to them. The only person in the discussion was Jesus and the gospel. And the only answer was the affirmation of that truth. And every time they would raise a question to try to discount that truth, I said, let's read what the scriptures say one more time. I never gave my own answer. I never tried to redefine it. I just kept reading what the text was saying. When they obeyed the gospel, they were like gold. That's been so many years ago. Some of them have died in the Lord. Some of them, their children are now in the Lord. Because it was about Christ. It must be about him. If you're here tonight and you are working with somebody who needs Jesus, don't put it on yourself. He bore the cross already. Let his bearing of the cross be the answer to the question as Philip did with the eunuch. And watch what God can do. And if a person can reject Christ when they really see him, you know they can reject you, whatever you bring after them. If you're here and you feel that you have not been committed to this, please think about the good that you can do. And if you're here tonight and you wrestle with the idea of becoming a Christian, becoming a member of Christ's church, and being saved, if you just trying to make your mind up, the only thing I can say to you beyond that is only one person has a clock that can tell them how much time is left on it for you. And we don't get to see that clock. So if we want to get his job done, we must act. Will you act now? Will you come to Jesus tonight if this be your need? And if you know somebody that you need to talk to, please find them and talk to them. With the only message that matters, the one who can save and the power of that salvation. Make your move if you need to right now while we stand and sing. Lay down thy weary one, lay down thy head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was, weary and worn and sad. I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, I freely give. The living water, thirsty one, Stoop down and drink and live. I came to Jesus and I drank Of that life-giving stream. My thirst was quenched, my soul revived, and now I live in him. I heard the voice of Jesus say, I am this dark world's light. Look unto me, thy morn shall rise, and all thy day be bright. 
I looked to Jesus and I found in him my star, my sun. And in that light of life I'll walk till traveling days are done. Please be seated. If you were not here this morning and need to partake of the Lord's Supper this evening, would you indicate by raising your hand at this time? Okay, our song to prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper will be Lead Me to Calvary. It's number 682. We'll sing the first and last verse of this song. King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow, lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. May I be willing, Lord, to bear daily my cross for Thee. Even Thy cup of grief to share, Thou hast borne all for me. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget Thine agony, Lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. Can we see the hands of those who wish? bow with me please dear father in heaven as we come to this table to protect this bread that represents that precious body that Christ shed upon the cross for us help us to remember to take a bit with love in our heart remember that great sacrifice that he made for each and every one of us in Christ's name we pray amen Let's pray. Lord, let us take this cup that represents the blood that was shed on, shed on the cross for our sins. In Jesus' name, amen.
those suffered. Uh, he also asked me to give back the tray will be put on the table in the foyer. Would you please bow with me again? Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for each and every blessing you give us each and every day. We know that it's through your love for us that you give us the ability to earn what we have on this earth and help us to always realize it's due to your blessings for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Just a couple quick announcements and a couple reminders before we're dismissed. Um, first, I want to, uh, again, thank you, uh, Brother Harris, for another uh, very informative and heartfelt uh, lesson tonight. Um, we, we appreciate uh, you being here, and uh, I want to remind everybody that uh, uh, Brother Harris will be here Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night, so please uh, come hear him. I think you can see that uh, he's uh, very easy to listen to, not, not just a great message, but he's very easy to listen to. So uh, if you have family and friends that haven't heard, bring him, because uh, 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 there's a, a lot to be heard and a lot to be learned. I have a note here from uh, Virgil. Uh, Kathy Harding, uh, who's a friend of Virgil's, and she is a prosecutor for White County Court, has an aunt, Rebecca Mead, who is having some severe back problems, and uh, Virgil asks that we keep her uh, in our prayers. <clears throat> um, don't forget the Southern Christian's Home will be picking up uh, tomorrow. The items are listed here in your bulletin. Um, Pretty much they'll take anything, uh, pretty much anything. So if you have something to donate, um, I don't know, is there going to be a time, Josh, where folks can drop off tomorrow? Or? Okay. I'm just up here talking for my own good, I guess. I, all right. Nix the uh, children's home. If you've already got something, save it for next time. <laughs> all right. Um, and we had our potluck today. It was very good. Um, so remember, next week, when we would normally have our potluck, we're not having it because we had it today. Okay, so no potluck tomorrow or tomorrow yeah there's no not one tomorrow either but there's not going to be one next Sunday um, before we close in prayer are there any other announcements updates anything oh seven yes yes okay any other Right, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night, right here, 7 o'clock. Okay? Any others? Let's go to the Father in prayer. 
Father, we're so grateful to be able to come here and, and to worship, to, to fellowship, to learn, to strengthen ourselves as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're especially grateful tonight for Brother Harris, who's come and given us such a wonderful message, a message of encouragement, a message of love, one that we can uh, apply and remember. And Father, we're grateful that uh, he will be coming back these next three nights, and we pray, Father, that uh, more will come to hear these uh, loving words and this, this message that we all need to hear. Father, we thank you for the opportunity uh, to live in this free country where we can both practice and live our, our beliefs as well as reach out to those who need it. And Father, I pray that uh, the message that we hear here and the fellowship that we share here will give us the courage and the wherewithal to go out and introduce others to the great loving message that you have for all of us. Father, we pray that uh, Virgil's friend, uh, uh, Rebecca, will be, uh, will be healed, that her, uh, her back problems will be taken care of. And Father, we have a great number amongst us who are uh, out because they're sick. We pray, Father, that uh, they'll be healed and they'll be uh, with us again soon. Father, this, uh, outside these doors sometimes can get kind of crazy. And we pray, Father, that uh, we'll have the courage to face the, the challenges outside these doors and never lack in the faith that we need to continue to live as brothers and sisters in Christ. Fathers, we pray, we pray as we go home tonight that you will continue to be with us, guide us, protect us, and forgive us all of our sins. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.